welcome to our Deeper Secrets Revealed podcast with Sarah Finlay. Have you ever had a question for the opposite sex in which you seek to be answered authentically? On this podcast, that is exactly what we do. I discuss intimate topics with guests as they share their point of view about dating, sex and relationships. We are raw and authentic to reveal the essence of how the opposite sex feels about today's topic we are exploring. If you have a question, please feel free to write to us and ask. It just might inspire our next episode and get answered. Thanks for joining me today. Now let's dive in deep to today's topic. Welcome to our Deepest Secrets Revealed podcast. I'm Sarah Finlay and thank you so much for listening. The World Health Organization estimates more than 800,000 people take their own lives each year and suicide remains the second leading cause of death among 15 to 29-year-olds. That's why in today's episode we'll be discussing how perfection is killing people by suicide. And today I've invited Dr. Dane here as he is on a mission to shed light on this global epidemic. Dane here is an internationally renowned author, speaker and facilitator of consciousness and change who for the past 17 years has been inviting people to embrace their true greatness. His best-selling book, Being You, Changing the World, is published in nine languages. For more information, visit www.drdanehutheer.com, which I'll put in the show notes as well. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be with you. It's great to have you here. So this past week, we've had World Suicide Prevention Day and Are You Okay Day. Personally, I've had first-hand experience with suicide. As a teen, I walked in on someone about to hang themselves, and I've also personally experienced like thinking about suicide as well. So when I received your information, I knew it was really, really, really important today that we talk about this. And I personally, about a couple of months ago, decided I think the word perfect should be deleted from all languages, actually. So, yes. <laughs> Perfect. The ultimate judgment. Yes. So when I, when I saw your information, I was like, wow, we have to talk. This is very important. So you say perfection has nearly killed you. How did you realize it was seeking perfectionism that contributed to wanting to commit suicide? Well, you know, I love what you said. Perfection should be deleted from all languages because really it's it's the ultimate in judgment. And what happened for me was 18 years ago, I was living in such judgment of myself for everything that I was doing and also everything I wasn't able to do and everything I knew I should be able to do that I wasn't able to do. And the judgment quite literally almost made me kill myself. And it made me lose hope. It made me lose happiness. It made me lose possibilities. Now, these were all things I was heaping on myself, and you know, which is what we do, but that intensity of the need to be perfect, the drive to be perfect, and the funny part is, if you would have looked at my life 18 years ago, you'd have looked and gone, wow, he's got the perfect life. He's a chiropractor in Santa Barbara, most beautiful place in the world. Okay, maybe Noosa is almost as good, <laughs> but you know, and you know, he's got this girlfriend who loves him totally. Oh, she didn't, but nobody knew that. You know, he's he's starting his rise to success. You know, his, sh- his star is taking off and shining. And I was dying inside. And it looked perfect from the outside. And I think one of the difficulties is we don't have the freedom to talk about this. We don't have the freedom to call up a good friend and go, hey, you know what? I'm so down right now. I don't know what to do. And so we don't have the freedom to actually offload the elephant that's on our back 
And what I've noticed is, especially, it's especially the sensitive people in the world, you know, the people who are highly aware of other people's feelings, their emotional states, the people who are, are here who want to do something different for people, those are the ones who often are most impacted by this. And because their awareness is so high, also their level of self-judgment is so high and they keep wondering why they can't do better, why they can't be better. Mm. I, yeah, I can relate to that. I'd always say I'm my worst critic. No one can ever give me worst uh, feedback, actually. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so I'm yeah, sure exactly. there's many people out there that can relate to that. I Yes, I would imagine so also. And also, you know, what if instead of being our own worst critic, what if we were our own greatest cheerleader? Yes. You know, we, we seem to find some value in looking for what's wrong with us. And one of the things that happened for me, the thing actually that really changed my world was I came across something called access consciousness and I started using the tools mm-hmm. and, and it was tools. It was like here in a situation, do this in another situation, do this started using those tools and things started changing literally immediately. Like within an hour and a half session of something called bars, it's like my whole perspective on reality changed. And it was such a lightness that I got that I was like, wow, if it feels like this, you know, if I can, if my life can feel like this and if it can change that quickly, I'm in, you know. And so what were you doing exactly? Was it reframing the negative talk into positive talk or? It's basically this particular tool and there's about 8,000 of them in access consciousness. This particular tool basically defrags your hard drive, upgrades your operating system and gives you a new CPU that doesn't have any of the old crap in it is basically how that works. Yeah. You know, and if you've ever had a computer that starts slowing down and you see that little spinning disc or that little spinning ball and you're frustrated, you know, and your life feels like that, that's what it changes. But it was this particular thing was just this really easy light process of somebody holding points on my head. Now, I'd done a lot of weird stuff. So when somebody's like, oh, I'm going to put my hands in here, I'm like, okay, I hope it changes something. It literally did. <laughs> wow. But one of, the, one of the other amazing tools of this body of work is asking questions. Because a question always empowers. An answer disempowers or a conclusion or a decision. Those are all stuck, fixed places. And when you make that conclusion, when you make that decision, or when you come up with the answer like, oh, my life sucks, or I'm depressed, or I'm not perfect enough, that's what you're stuck with. And what we need to do is we need tools to change these places where we're stuck. And one of the, like some really simple questions you can start asking to make things better is what's right about me? I'm not getting, we never look at that. You know, we keep looking at what's wrong with us, you know, sort of like the ongoing tape in our head is what's wrong with us. And so asking what's right about me, I'm not getting, don't look for an answer, just ask it. And what happens is it starts to open up where that there was that wall of solidity and wrongness of you, it starts to open up ever so slightly. And then more and more and more where you start to see a space for maybe you're not wrong. And then, you know, if you can add a question like what else is possible here now, I'm giving you sort of the, the access light version. I mean, if we were in a class there are some really in-depth tools we use really fast. Um, but, but to give people some tools, I think is so essential. I think what we require is we require inspiration, you know, to know that other people have overcome this and they have had the courage to take two more steps and two more steps when necessary. And it's actually changed things. And then also we need tools to get out of the crap that we're living in on a daily basis. Cause I don't know about you, but I look around the world and I see so many people who are not truly happy with their lives, who are trying to pretend they're happy. And they think if they're perfect enough, then finally one day they'll get happy. 
And then it just exhausts you and wears you out. We need we need some tools to make this journey easier. Yeah, I, I believe life was meant to be enjoyed in the end. Yes. It's, it's very simple. And I know it's, yes. it might even sound too simple, but I think that was the purpose, just like come to earth, enjoy, and then go back whatever happens after that. I am that. so with you. You know, my <laughs> point of view is the purpose of life is to have fun. Yes. And if you're not having fun, it's time to change something. You know, when I was a little kid, my grandmother used to ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up, honey? And I'd go, happy. And she'd go, no, 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 no. What do you want to be? Do you want to be like a doctor? Do you want to be like an actor? Do you want to be a garbage man? You know, do you want to be like a physical therapist or something? I'm like, sure, as long as I'm happy. I didn't care what I did. I just yeah. knew the most important thing to me was to be happy. And I knew it as a kid. And when I had lost it and I had... I was one of these seekers, you know, somebody who tries everything they possibly can, because I know there's a different possibility out there. And so I would go to these weekend workshops and I'd be like, oh my gosh, yay, I finally found the answer. I'm going to be happy now. And by Wednesday, it felt like the universe was caving in on my head and nothing had changed. And that's one of the things that's been different using these tools, like asking questions, is they continuously create greater. And when the universe wants to fall on your head, you use it, you use something and change it. Like one of the, one of the big things I was told in, in my first session that I had of this was the girl said to me, you know, with a straight face, she says, one of the things we found is 98% of your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, your judgment, your heaviness, all that weird stuff in your monkey mind, 98% of it isn't yours. You're like a big psychic sponge and you pick it up from other people. And I went, what? And she's all, well, have you ever, you know, been having a good day and then you hang out with somebody who's sad and you start getting sad? I'm like, of course, you know, I'm having a great day and I go back, I go home to my girlfriend and I'm like, oh, there went that great day, you know, because she was sad, depressed, unhappy, <laughs> angry. She was, she was wonderful to be around. You know, she was just one of those people. And, and, you know, so I could totally relate to it. And she said, do this, ask, who does this belong to? Whenever you have a thought, a feeling, an emotion, an unhappiness, a sadness, an anger, something, if it lightens up, it's not yours. It's one of those things you're absorbing like a sponge from other people. And I was like, okay. And she said, in fact, what I would do is ask, who does this belong to, to every thought, feeling, emotion, judgment, point of view, and heaviness you have for three days. And at the end of three days, tell me what happens. So I'm like, okay, I am on it. Cause I was one of those people, man, you give me a tool, I will use it. And you know, it may not work, but I'm going to try it to find out, you know? Yeah. And I did this for three days, literally pretty much the only thing going through my head. It was almost like this mantra, who does this belong to? Because <laughs> so many things, you know, were going on and so much heaviness and so much stuff I felt like I couldn't deal with. And even the sense of not being able to deal with it started going away. And at the end of three days, I walked around like I was in a walking, talking meditation. It's like I'd literally broken the machine that made me think all of this stuff I was perceiving was mine. Because when you perceive it, like if you perceive sadness, you're like, oh, there's sadness. But when you perceive it and then you go, oh, I'm sad, that's when you take ownership of it. And now, even if it's, so if, let's say we do that with sadness, for example, or depression or suicidal thoughts or tendencies, if we do that, then we take it on and we own it as ours. And then we try to change it. If it's not yours, you can't change it. In other words, the one thing you can do is return it to sender wherever it came from and let your life get lighter. And the weird part is you think, oh, but it's going to my mom and she's sad and I don't want her to be sad. So I don't want to give her more sadness. No, she probably picked it up from somebody else too. So it goes through her back to whoever she bought it from and it starts lightening things in your life. 
Yes, it definitely does. And I've practiced the same thing as well. And there are definitely some days and this, I'm just letting everyone know it works, like feeling overwhelmed, like, ah, oh, this is not mine. Everyone is putting their stress on me. I'm like, back. All right, breathe. Ugly. Yes. <laughs> breathe and get out of my head. Get out of my head. Get out of my head. You know, <laughs> uh, and I even teach people now. I'm like, that's not that's not ours. That's theirs. This feeling right now, like, ah. Oh. <laughs> uh, you believe one major contributor to a global increase in suicide is society's fictional idea of perfectionism. So this is from society's point of view. Tell us about this. Well, th- it's it's interesting because we live in a society where it doesn't matter who you are. Nobody ever nobody ever tries to find out who you are. What they want to know is that you're perfect at what you do and you're perfect at how you show up on Instagram and Facebook and you're perfect at how social you are, you know, and, and the funny thing is, it's like we live in this social media world right now, which is supposedly connecting people. And in certain ways it does, which is awesome. But in so many ways, you know, it's like people, they don't post on Instagram and Facebook. They don't you know, they post the pictures of the lovely sunset they had during their vacation while they're drinking Mai Tais. They don't post the the throw up that the kids just did all over the couch in the hotel room that is smaller than they thought it was going to be and not really big enough to hold everybody. So everybody's sleeping on the floor, you know, so it's like there's this idealized standard of perfection that everybody's trying to maintain so they can keep up with everybody else's idealized standard of perfection that isn't actually real. So we're living in a world where people are pretending to be perfect, and I am so perfect. I am more perfect than I was yesterday. In fact, I'm more perfect than you will ever be. Look at my beautiful picture and my beautiful family on Facebook and my furry dog. You know, And it's like it's about creating an image rather than getting to be us as we are. And I think what really missing you know, society-wise is we're focusing on what society deems perfection and trying to maintain that rather than getting to know people and rather than actually getting to know ourselves, you know, and there are a lot of people out there that are, that feel like they're missing their soul at this point because they, because what is taught and what is valued is not, Hey, get to what's true for you. You don't have to be perfect. You're freaking phenomenal already. What if we could start acknowledging that and actually allow that to be our basis instead of this, this search for perfection that, that we're supposed to have, as a society and as as a culture. I feel like there's also in society the perfection comes from, well, it definitely growing up in Australia, so, and I believe it's here in America as well, talking to my friends, is like as though there's this perfect life, like there's these certain steps that you need to take and there's this order of steps that need to happen, which, you know, eventually find a partner, maybe get a dog or a cat or something like that and get engaged and buy the house and get married and then have the baby and the next thing people asking about the next baby and and it's like this and apparently if we follow these steps we're going to feel fulfilled and happy and that's like a one fit all basically yeah for everyone and then it's like if we're not following the steps or we're not and then that's where the age comes in maybe I'm too old am I too old to find love am I too old to have a baby am I too old for this I I didn't do this and that brings people down because apparently that's the perfect life and I feel like screw the rules work out who you are and and as long as it doesn't hurt the earth or other human beings or animals or anything then do what makes you happy I am so with you on that one. And that I, that's once again, that, 
that perfect box and your job is just to fit into the box in the right way, you know, and that's, and I think that is one of the huge contributions to people committing suicide. I know it was for me. And literally 18 years ago, I literally planned the date six months in the future where I was going to end my life. Wasn't around anybody's birthday. Wasn't around any holidays because I didn't want the people that cared about me to think about me at those times. But I was done because I had, with the exception of huge amounts of money, I had everything. I had chicked. Uh, chicked. I, checked. Checked. <laughs> if, you, if you put a check and a tick together, you get a chick. That's how that works. I just figured oh, that I out can. right now. <laughs> Welcome to my ADHD brain. But I had checked every box on that list except for money and then that was you know and that was starting but and i got there and i'm like what the this is this is i'm not happy i mean i went to school literally for 23 years you know from kindergarten to the point where i could become a doctor of chiropractic i did the school thing you know became a doctor quote unquote i was doing the relationship thing i was starting the business thing i was living in a beautiful place i mean Seriously, if anybody should have been happy, it should have been me. Yay. But none of that was truly fulfilling to me. And, you know, here I am in my practice feeling like I'm not able to create the miracles that I wanted to create, my the change in people's lives that I wanted to create, which, you know, and and here I am in my relationship wondering, why are we so far apart? I thought we were in love. You know, it, it's just like all of these things. I was living what people thought was the dream. And what I started doing was exactly like you were talking about. I started finding out who I was. And I started looking, going, do I really desire this dream or is this somebody else's dream? And I realized that other than becoming the chiropractor that was really fun for me because I got to create change in people's lives, all the rest of it was somebody else's point of view. All of it. And I realized, you know, we're enculturated from the time we're tiny to buy that point of view. And by the point of view that this box is the right box, and then all you have to do is you go here and you do this, just like you said, and you fit into the box. Well, that box sucks. Yeah, and it's quite earth-shattering when you get into that position. So I was in a similar sort of position in different ways, same but different, you know, <laughs> checking the uh-huh. boxes and whatnot. <laughs> and then particularly now to be able to look back, you're like, wow, I'm not happy. And then it's, it could be like... Is there something wrong with me? Because apparently, like, everyone else likes this dream, but this dream isn't for me. Like, am I weird? Like, what's going on? And the answer is yes, you are very weird. (laughs) See, the the original meaning of weird was of spirit, fate, or destiny. So when people tell me I'm weird, I'm like, oh, thanks for the acknowledgement. Like, it wasn't wasn't a compliment. I'm like, for me it was. (laughs) I love it. I love doing that to people. And they look at you like you've grown three heads and a tail. They usually walk away because they have no idea what to say after that, you know, because they're trying to tell you how bad you are. I'm like, yes, I am. It's awesome. I'm so glad I'm not in your box right now. Yes. That was I a weird it. comment. <laughs> you know, well, I think one also one of the interesting things is so many of the people that appear to be so happy doing what they're doing. And, and it's funny because I've known so many people who were unhappy in their marriage and they would try to convince me to get married. And I'm oh, like, wow, what? what? And I noticed this more often than not, because I noticed, you know, we have a 51% divorce rate in the US. And I think it's actually gone up in the last few years. So they, these people who were unhappy, tried to encourage me to get married so I could be as happy as they were. And I'm like, (laughs) "Um, have you not noticed I'm actually happy now? I'm not married. I don't currently have a girlfriend. 
but do you notice how happy I am? Like, do you notice I'm genuinely happy? And they were like, oh, no, you need a relationship. And I'm like, uh, okay, because you need to get married so you can see how it really is. And I think what it is, is it's kind of like people who have kids are like, oh, you got to have a kid. They're so amazing. And they don't tell you it's more. It's like three full time jobs. You're going to be awake for months at a time. You're going to want to kill your spouse or your partner. You're going to want to kill your children. Nobody ever tells you that because it's so much work and you're so exhausted and you don't know what to do. People go, oh, no, they're the most wonderful bundles of joy. I think what that happens is they did it. And so they want to convince you to do it so you can suffer like they are. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or they're just, you know, they have. there's the good moments and that's the... I feel like people are just, they're not meaning to, but they're projecting what we've been told by society because they think maybe exactly. it'd be good for you. Exactly. So, so how do we kill the feeling of perfectionism within us? Because that's what needs to go is this perfectionism. Well, first thing is every time it comes up, you want to go, okay, is this really my point of view? Like, who does this belong to? Really, that's where it has to start because... Or one of the places it can start, I should say, because so much of this perfectionism is, once again, like we talked about, what's been put on us. And then we also want to go, okay, so who did I buy this from? And where where did I buy this as though this was what was necessary for me? And if I didn't have to be perfect to like myself and to love myself, what other choices would I have available? Because we have this weird idea that in order to even like us for a moment, we have to be perfect. And it's also interesting because we have this, you know, this, this sense in this world of, of this idea, once again, of this standard that if we, if we can finally achieve it, then we can be happy. If we get perfect enough, we can be happy. But the other thing is we have this idea that if we actually like ourselves, somehow we're arrogant or we're going to become arrogant. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Now, what's interesting to me, if you've ever met somebody who's truly arrogant, they don't like themselves. They're trying to prove that they do because people pr- always prove the opposite of what they believe about themselves. So you have somebody who's like this kind, sweet, big old, you know, big old guy pretending he's tough. And when you get him alone, he's a total teddy bear. Or you have like this, you know, this metaphysical woman who's trying to pretend, oh, I'm just sweetness and light. And you know, if you cross her, you're going to get a dagger in the back. You know, people are trying to prove the opposite of what they believe they are. And so somebody who's arrogant is trying to prove that they're not insecure most of the time. And because when you when you have a sense of yourself, you don't do unkind things to other people. It's not in your world. You don't abuse other people verbally. You're not unkind to them. You don't act like you're better than they are because you don't need to because you have a sense of yourself. So what I found is this idea that if we actually like ourselves, we're going to become arrogant. It's a total friggin' lie. In actuality, the more you like you, what happens is you become more humble. You become more caring of others and more caring for yourself and also more of a contribution to other people. So with this, as with so many areas in this, in this conversation or this, this topic, this area, there's so many lies involved. And I think that's one of the big difficulties is we end up buying those lies as true or we end up buying them as as reality or the reality we have to have. And then we try to make those lies true for us. And one of the things that I've learned really dynamically is what's true for you always makes you lighter. A lie always makes you heavier. So we have all of these things that are heavy for us. They're not our world. They're not a reality. They're, they're, 
you know, they're not my jam, baby, you know, but we're trying to make them that way. And so what happens is we're trying to get blood out of a turnip. We're trying to turn a pile of poo into roses and it doesn't work. And so, but then if you add the perfectionism thing to that, now we're trying to make something true for us that isn't. You can't actually do that because it's just not true for you. That's just the way it is. And now we're judging ourselves for not being able to make this area of our life perfect, which is just crazy making. And so part of what's required to get through this is, like I said, these tools, but also pulling apart the lies that we've bought about what we need to do and what we need to be to be happy and pulling apart the lies that we bought about about the idea that if we actually are happy and we actually like ourselves, then we're bad, terrible people. Because none of that is true, but we need to start to see it for ourselves. Being told is wonderful, but we need to start to find that for ourselves. Yeah, and that's such a big shift that we need in society to be able to, it's okay to say I love me and it's okay to say I love this body and it's okay to say that. And I've noticed that. And so I like to say now in groups and I feel weird and I'll set it up. I'm like, I know this could sound arrogant, but I love my body and I like to do that in Yay. front of my sisterhood, you know, to be like, and you should love your body because you're amazing too. Like it's okay yes. and we're all different, yes. but it does feel like I feel like I sound arrogant and I'm not coming from that space, but I'm trying to teach healthy self-love. I, you know, I love, I'm so grateful that you do that. And, and, and this is the other thing is the body image thing. I mean, oh my goodness, you know, and that's one of those others where, we're trying to be perfect, except it's like, so uh, it's just that, that series of judgments is so intense for people. And this thing of we're, I mean, I've seen people and I'm sure you have too, that just have beautiful bodies and they're in constant states of judgment of themselves because they have a little cellulite here or they're getting wrinkles or whatever. It's like, and, and then I've seen some, I've seen some 90 year old people men and women. And like this one woman who came to a class I delivered and she was just so beautiful and she just adored herself. She loved her body. She was still having sex. I'm like, baby, you are my new idol. That's amazing. (laughs) Right. You're so awesome. And she was kind of like everything that we're talking about. She was just, she was just this, this sweet, kind presence who totally knew who she was who didn't try to be perfect for everybody else. And she's like, no, I'm happy being me, you know? And I lost my husband, I don't know, it was like 30 years ago or something, you know, and he died of a heart attack. And I was like, wow. I said, and since then she's all, oh, I've managed to find a few men to enjoy in those years. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome, you know? And I was just like, just the whole her whole being was what is possible for us if we just get in touch with us and if if we can allow ourselves the freedom to realize that self-judgment is not making us better. Self-judgment is making us distraught and destroyed. It's like creating hell on earth instead of heaven on earth. 
which exactly. way we want to perceive it or experience it. You said unconsciously people believe that abuse wouldn't happen to a good person. So by default, those of us that have been abused have decided that we must be bad, wrong to create this. And there's many of us out there that have been abused in one way or another. Probably every human has really in one way or another. So what is your advice to people feeling like this, that you feel like it was your fault, you're bad, you're wrong, you know, et cetera? Well, let me give you a different perspective. Okay. Cause I experienced tremendous physical abuse. I experienced sexual abuse. I experienced emotional abuse. Um, and I had that very point of view that, Oh my God, this wouldn't happen to a good person. I must be a bad person. And as I started working on this, once again, using some of the access consciousness tools, actually, because before that I, I had no way to get free of it. And so I started asking questions around this, like what is really going on here? What is really true here? What's right about me? I'm not getting. And what's right about the situation And what I started realizing was if you've experienced abuse and you have come out the other side of it and you are still looking for other possibilities, if you haven't let it totally destroy you in your life, you have an immense amount of courage. You have an immense amount of strength. And it did not happen to you because you were weak. People get abused because they're strong. And the person who's doing the abuse feels weak. And they know if they can get power over you, then they feel like they have some power. And from looking from that perspective, and I have, I have assisted, worked with literally thousands of people around the world and seen their entire worlds change as they started looking from this different place. Now, once again, the, the conversation that I would have with somebody in a session or in class is, far more in depth than we can go to here, obviously. But I but looking from that perspective, that this person has far more courage and far more capacity and far more ability to move beyond things than they've ever acknowledged starts to create the change in their world. Because people who experience abuse, this world tells us that they're victims. No, they're some of the strongest friggin' people on the planet. And of course, as we know, a lot of people who've experienced abuse are the people that later contemplate or, or commit suicide. But when you remember what's true makes you lighter, a lie always makes you heavier. So when you've been living with the lie that you're weak, that you're pathetic, that you're a bad person, that you're a victim, that heaviness takes its toll. And so, and, and one of the things I would ask people to do, because I know I've presented some different concepts, some different ways of looking at things. And for a lot of people, it's sort of out of their box of reality. But just look and ask, does it make me lighter? What are you saying? Do, do I get lighter when I hear it? If you do, it's true for you. Even if it goes is totally different than everything you thought was real and, and goes totally contrary to what you thought your reality was before you heard the conversation. And in so doing what you'll, if, if you'll start choosing the things in your life that create more lightness for you and embracing the concepts that create more lightness, what'll happen is you'll start to create more and more lightness in your life because that's the way it works. When you choose the things that create more heaviness, you get more and more heaviness. You know, we've known for thousands of years that you get more of what you focus on. Well, if you start focusing on and choosing the lightness, that's the way your life starts to become. So this thing about those who've been abused, it's like, please realize this is not because you were a bad person. It was actually because you were a potent person in the presence of somebody who wanted to have power over somebody who was potent. 
or that per- that that person saw that within you and wanted it within themselves. Yep, or they wanted to kill it within you because yeah. they long since had it killed in them yeah. at some early point in their life. And and isn't it weird that you know I like to say shit rolls downhill. You know, it's like if somebody else was powerful and they were disempowered by somebody and they bought it and they feel like their power's been taken away. Now they want to do it to somebody else. What I would love to see as our world is a world in which we uplift and empower each other. And you go, Hey, you know what? Somebody tried to take away my power. I will never let that happen to you. I will do everything I can to be there for you and have your back and walk with you through whatever you need to, to make sure this never happens to you. Yeah. Exactly that. If we have a world full of every human like that, it would be incredible. Yeah, it would be incredible. True. What is your advice for anyone out there at the moment feeling suicidal or depressed or having those thoughts that you had, you know, at the start of this journey that really changed your life and took you on this road now, as well as anyone battling it, as well as maybe anyone that knows of someone that's battling it, and what can we say do help? There are so many things that I would say. So first, I would say, just go, whatever you believe in, God, universe, consciousness, help. I need some help, please. And acknowledge it. It's not wrong to ask for help. We all need, we we all need help sometimes. You know, we all need a hand, all of us, okay? Me included. You know, we all need some contribution. And so ask for the contribution from God, the universe, consciousness, the earth, whatever. If you have a friend who actually does have your back and isn't in judgment of you and doesn't think you should be any different than you are, call and have a conversation with them. Literally just spending a few moments in the presence of somebody who's not judging can start to change your whole reality. It feels like the weight of the world starts to come off of your shoulders because everybody else is judging us and themselves all the time and they don't even realize it. Third thing is get help professionally if you need it call a suicide hotline call a psychologist call an access facilitator and the other thing is i would say get your bars run bars it's this thing that i had done on me the first time when i that literally saved my life takes about an hour and 15 minutes and you know i don't mean this as a commercial i think people should find whatever resources work for them but this is something that does what nothing else on the planet does And people keep trying to compare it to Reiki or this or that. It's nothing like that. And it, I I have to say, one of the things that I have seen, and I have worked with literally hundreds of thousands of people, we're probably up over a million at this point. I haven't counted, okay? But literally hundreds of thousands of people, many of whom who had a mild form or very severe forms of depression and had it change between these bars. Because what the bars do is, it's like it, it starts unlocking that heaviness that feels like it's such a part of your reality. And then you start to get a sense of not having to live that heavy anymore. And the other thing is I've got hundreds of videos online on YouTube that are free, my gift to you, that are these tools. Once again, these tools that I talk about from Access, where I do a five or seven minute video explaining, here's a tool, here's how you use it. See you later, bye. Yeah, um, perfect. You know, around the world, and and I and so please use that. If it's lighter for you, use it. And if none of what I'm saying is lighter, like you're like, oh, I don't like that guy, but ask, like, what book can I read? What audio can I listen to? What what can I do to change this? Once again, that's a question. 
And then one of the other questions that, that really helps, even if you don't believe it at the time, is a question called, how does it get any better than this? And when you ask it in a good situation, the good situation gets better. When you ask it in a bad situation, the bad situation gets better. So you want to ask yourself constantly, how does it get any better than this? Why? Because asking that question, even if you don't believe it can get better, allows the universe, the consciousness around us to show us that it actually can, because we're actually asking the question, even if we don't believe the question, just mouthing the words, does it? And then how does it get any better than this? And then and then what's right about me I'm not getting and what else is possible and what's it going to take to change this? And I know that's a lot of stuff, but maybe people can listen to the replay and write them down. And the other big thing is we've got to make the demand in our world that we are not going to give up. We are not going to quit and we're not giving in. Never quit, never give up, never give in. And sometimes all it takes is two more steps. You just have to be willing to take two more steps. And that sometimes can change everything. At the very least, making that demand of yourself that you're not going to give up, give in or quit creates a place where you now propel yourself forward into finding what it's going to take to change this. Because there are so many resources out there available in the world. Find them. Mm. And my last question as well, and I want to flip this around because we all know the pursuit of perfection can kill you now. I've had a good chat about (laughs) this, uh, but I agree 100% with what you say with this as well, is that everyone has greatness within themselves and your own greatness and being aware of it can actually heal your life. So how does someone become aware of their greatness when we're, if you're feeling so down and the opposite of that? Well, I think really it's it's part of the path that we've sort of already outlined in that, like to tell somebody who's depressed and literally at that place where suicide is even an option, talking to them about their greatness, you're just going to get flipped off in an ugly look, mm-hmm. you know, because that's not something they're willing to receive as part of their reality. But one of the things I would, so so to get to that place where realizing that you have a greatness. I think part of what's required is look back at some people's lives that you have changed just by being you. You know, maybe somebody was having a really bad day and you just gave them a hug or maybe somebody, you know, lost their money and like you gave them five bucks and like changed the whole world. You gave them faith in humanity again, you know, like look at three or four of the things that you have done that have created a change in other people's lives for the better or 20 or 30 or write a friggin' list, you know, and, and then also, you know how we have this idea of writing a gratitude journal. It works because once again, you get more of what you focus on and you can either have gratitude or you can have judgment. They don't coexist. So when you're being grateful, you're not being judgmental of you or anybody else. So I would highly suggest write a list of three things you're grateful for about you every day. Maybe it's like, Oh, I have eyes. Uh, my feet work, uh, you know, I've lived this long. I mean, it could be really simple and start really small. And then also three things you're grateful for about being alive. Now, if you can't get there, that's okay. Use the tools that we've already talked about and then find which of those tools actually start uh, that actually speak to you and just start using those. Like I said, I've got hundreds of them on YouTube. Okay, please go there, use them. Another resource is I've got a a free chapter. It's like an hour long audio of me reading the, I wrote this book called Being You Changing the World. And if you go to beingyoubook.com, 
once again, I don't mean to make this a commercial. I just want this as a resource for people because mm-hmm. it's free. It's, it's a gift. Okay. Um, but there's something in, I have had literally hundreds of emails of people saying, I've listened to this audio and something in you reading it and talking about your story has given me hope. I literally have hope, literally have hope to carry on. So I, that's another resource that's available. But I'm a firm believer in asking you shall receive. And like I said, if none of these speak to you, man, ask for some help and ask that you actually get to be shown the greatness of you in some way, if you're ready to ask for that. You may not be ready to ask for that if you're at that, you know, really, really down place. But if you're at that really down place, ask for the resources that it's going to take to get out of the really down place and to see that there actually is a reason to live and a reason and that your life is actually worth living. Yeah, that's great. And to wrap this up, just anyone out there, and I'm using Dr. Dwayne's words here because I love them, so this is from both of us. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Please know that there is always hope. Never give up, never give in, and never quit. You are far too valuable to this world, and you really are. And I know we may not know you individually, but I know that there is something amazing about you that you may not see today, but definitely others see it, and we need you here. So... Yeah, thank you so much yeah. for coming on the show today and sharing all your wisdom, and I'm sure that's going to help many people out there. Thanks so much, Sarah. It's been great. And everybody listening, truly, you got this. You can change this, and it's going to actually be easier than you ever thought if you make that choice. You have just listened to Our Deepest Secrets Revealed podcast with Sarah Finlay. Don't forget to subscribe to be alerted to our next episode. Connect with us via Twitter. And if you have any questions, please email my question at ourdeepestsecretsrevealed.com. Help us get the word out there and email a friend or two today about this episode. You can go over to iTunes and share the episode directly to a friend via a tweet, Facebook Messenger share, or post it to your profile. Otherwise, you can copy the link and email it. Thank you so much for sharing. Until next time, keep shining. Enjoyed this episode of our Deepest Secrets Reveal? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's like leaving a tip and really appreciate it. Thank you.